Good morning to everybody. Happy Father's Day. Very exciting. I love being a dad. It's great. And uh, for those of you that have the privilege of being dads, it's, uh, it's a great day to celebrate you. So we, uh, we celebrate you today and are grateful, grateful for dads. We uh, are in a series, most of you are aware, uh, six sermons. And we're trying to discover and understand this uh, essential commandment that uh, Jesus talks to us about. And uh, so far we've done two weeks. This is week three. We did an introduction. Uh, and our introduction, our uh, sermon in a sentence for that particular uh, sermon was that God initiates a relationship with us based on love. We must determine how we respond to this. And just really briefly, uh, God extends love. And if you were here, I did a little whiteboard drawing. And and we have to choose how we're going to respond to that. Now, for those of us that have come to know the Lord, have accepted the sacrifice of Jesus, we become Christians, believers, disciples, whatever term you want to use, Jesus kind of lays out what that response should look like. And just to be clear, this this is not a response uh, in order to, to earn our salvation or to earn necessarily even God's favor, but it's just our reasonable response to what he's done for us. And so we're trying to unearth or discover what does that look like in our lives each and every day and with all the parts of us. So that was our introduction. Last week we talked about the heart, loving the Lord your God with all your heart, and we, we looked at the heart as being that will of us, uh, the, the will, the decision-making center, the, you know, that part of us that we want to do what we want to do. And how do we take our heart and see it broken and contrite? And then how do we see our heart aligned with, with God's heart, with what God's called us to do? And so to love God with all our heart is to submit our will Seek to obey his commands and live under his authority. And so that was our sermon and sentence last week as we tried to discover what does it mean to love God with our heart or with our will. Well, today we're moving on to the next topic, and that's, uh, that's the soul. And uh, I'm just going to read the passage. Now, I, I was thinking about the fact, oh, wow, today's Father's Day. This isn't specifically a sermon two fathers or about Father's Day. Uh, However, I got thinking and I thought to myself, if I had some advice for fathers, uh, and how do you be a a great father? How do you be a great, great dad? I might actually say, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love others as yourself. So maybe this is a six-sermon series for all the fathers, and you got to go and listen to all of them, and uh, that's what we're doing. So It kind of works. We're going to make it work. Let's pretend at least anyways. Well, let me read the passage that we're studying, that that all of this is coming from. Uh, You've heard it before. Hopefully this is becoming ingrained in you. Perhaps you're even memorizing it. But again, people come and they say, Jesus, like, okay, of all the commandments, of all the laws, what's the most important? Jesus, he doesn't say this, but I'm sure he's like, I'm glad you asked. Because here it is. Love the Lord your God 
with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. Uh, I didn't get those in the right order, pardon me. With all your mind and all your strength. And the second is this, love the Lord your God with all your heart. And he begins this, if you remember, the most important one. And And he sets the stage, which is, there is one God, he is our God. Right? And we love him. And that was, we talked about the Shema on the first week. So you can go back and look at that if you didn't get a chance to do so. So today our topic is love the Lord your God with all your soul. Now, last week we talked about trying to understand the heart. And I, I, and I did mention there's a little bit of overlap in some of these concepts as we try and understand them. Heart, soul, mind, strength. Uh, Jesus mentions all these things separately, so we're going to try and bring some specific definition to them, but there is some, there is some overlap. And um, for today, we're going to define the soul. And again, this is a bit elusive, but it's sort of this depth or the core of our being. And, and, and I know that's a bit immaterial, but it's, it's this, this all of us core, depth, and so on. And hopefully as we go through this, you'll get a little bit of a, a sense of what I mean by that. And really, it, it's hard to separate because our soul or who we are as souls is really this idea of kind of our heart, mind, personality, you know, who we are as people, how our lives are. And uh, so they, they kind of, there's some overlapping there. But we'll try and focus as much as we can on this idea of who we are as persons, people, And then we'll talk more about the mind, specifically our strength, in the weeks to come. So by way of an introduction to this, um, really we will discover that the soul encompasses and includes the body, as well as the heart and the mind. The soul really integrates the decision-making capacity of the heart, the lens through which we view life, that's the mind, and we're going to get into more details next week on that. And the energy of the body, and it's, it's sort of bringing these things together. And so a lot of times this idea of soul is interchanged with our lives. Love, love the Lord with your life. And so you can understand that there's, there's sort of these pieces that are put together. Um, interestingly enough, as we look at scripture, because it's the term soul is used almost interchangeably with life, love the Lord with all of your life or with all of your soul. And even as we read some of the scripture, and it's fascinating, I have an older version of the NIV, which has been updated, and even some of the verses I'm using, they've changed the word soul to life. So in my version, it says soul, so I like it because it works for today, but they've changed that to life, just still same meaning, same idea. We're not changing scripture, but it's just interesting how that translation uh, interchanges those words. But really, we, we are souls. I mean, we talk about having a soul, but we are souls. And uh, it's maybe more accurate to say that than love the Lord with our soul, but as souls, we should love the Lord. In Psalm 103, uh, we read, Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And so this idea, it's my inmost being. And you could, like as I said, you could interchange that term with the word life. But it's this inmost, who we are, our makeup, and so on. Used to describe us as persons, people. 
loving us, loving God as, as people, who we are, and, and all of those things. We will also discover this morning loving with our soul, or this idea, the depths of, of that being. What does that mean? And we're going to talk a little bit about the desire for God and the pursuit of God. Okay, And really, in those two things, there's this idea of a passion. So is our soul or is our life representing a passion for God? And we love God when we're passionate in desiring him and pursuing him. And so that's this idea of the depth of that and having a passion to do that. We'll discover loving with our soul, essentially, again, our life, um, or our personhood, or we might even use the term our personality. And we're going to talk a little bit about personality uh, in, in this morning. In this idea of becoming personal, we all have personalities, but becoming the personalities that God has called us to be, right? Um, created and prepared for us. And we're all different. We're all unique. We're all, it's just, a, it's fascinating uh, how, how God creates and works and so on. And we're all, we're all different in that way. And so we will hopefully get a sense of how we love God by knowing and understanding our purpose. Now, I don't want to get, this is a whole other sermon really, but this, this idea of general purpose, we all have a general purpose to you know, praise God and to serve God and to love God, but we all are created uniquely. And with those gifts and skills and our personality, we specifically use those things to, to praise and worship God and to love God. And so we'll talk a little bit about that and as we get through that. So those are a few things in terms of where we're going. So our sermon in a sentence for today is to love God with our soul, is to desire and pursue him with all of our being, and to give our personality to him to be shaped by his will. So we have this idea of a willingness to say, all of me and however I define the depths of me, I'm going to desire God and pursue God, and I'm going to submit my self, my gifts, my skills, my personality to you to be shaped and redeemed by you. And in doing so, I'll express love with my soul or as a soul. So that's where we're going. Uh, just a quick note, um, I'm thankful to the office uh, for printing off some some uh, notes. So if you don't have the, the notes, they're out in the foyer, you can pick them up at the end. And uh, it hopefully will give you an overview of things. You can take notes right in here. You don't have to remember everything. So lots is in there, so take advantage of that if you're interested. It's there for you. Okay, so our first thing uh, we're going to look at this morning is loving God with all our soul. We want to have a soul that thirsts for God. All right? And we're going to start in Isaiah 55, verses 1 to 3. I'll read those. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy, eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread? And your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen. Listen to me and eat what is good, and you will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear, come to me, hear me, that your soul may live. So we start off with this 
passage in Isaiah where we, we get a glimpse into this. I'm looking for something. I'm, I'm thirsty. I'm hungry as a, as a being, as a person. I need to be fulfilled. And we see this scripture where it's talking about the fact that fulfillment is not coming through the things that are tangible that we can buy or we think are going to solve or fill that need or fulfill us. But that, do we, but that that comes from God. And as we listen to God and as we seek God and pursue God, that your soul may live. And so this idea is one of being captivated by God. This idea of soul, really, we talk about our deepest desires. We talk about those cravings, maybe, of the soul. Uh, to love God with our soul is to be captivated by God at our core. It's just, it just, I, I just need God. I need him. I, I, it, it's, it's just so fundamental to me and my life and who I am as a person and my soul. And to love God, we're captivated. Psalm 103.1, praise the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being, all of that, however you want to define that and understand that, praise his holy name. It's this idea of just God is, ah, it's, he is what I need and want and am driven by. Planted within us is the longing to know the one who created us to be in relationship with him. So this idea that we're searching and everybody's searching, we all have these soul cravings, if you want to use that term, that's because that's how mankind was created. And God created us like that to desire and to have those things filled by him. And, and not just today or the first part of our life, and now we have starting today, the rest of our life, but for all eternity. And actually in Ecclesiastes 3.11, it talks about the fact that we've been created with this idea or a sense of eternity set in our hearts, in ourselves. And so this just isn't a, okay, Got it. Filled today. Fulfillment. Great. Go on with the rest of my life. This is every day, forever. We've been created with this desire, this need, this craving that only God can fill. And this, these soul cravings are, if you can imagine, our intimacy. We all desire intimacy, like connection, closeness. We desire destiny. What, what, where am I going and where, what's this all leading to? And we desire meaning. How is what I'm doing today matter? Or tomorrow? Or last week? Those are all things that have been put in us as persons, as souls that God created there on purpose. And the whole idea is that we find our intimacy in our destiny, in our meaning, in Him. And as we do that, that's how we love God as souls. Scripture attests to this over and over again, but one passage that's very common to us, Psalm 42, 1-2, As a deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. 
My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? It's a a great picture. You can imagine the thirst of, of an animal that's been running or out in the heat or the sun. The Beatitudes in Matthew 5, verse 6. Blessed are those who thirst and hunger for righteousness. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for me. That's God speaking. And as we come to understand that that intimacy, destiny, and meaning is fulfilled by God, and as we do that, we're thirsting for God, finding God, finding that fulfillment. We are loving God with or as souls. To love God with our soul is to to know more and more the one alone who can bring about that satisfaction. Without this, we're left with something missing because we were created for that and only God can provide what's missing. The next little point here, subpoint, is to pursue happiness in God. Uh, actually, Piper, those of you who know John Piper, he does a, a whole study on this, and it's fascinating to hear some of his thoughts. But he has this concept that God wants us to be happy, which, but that's qualified. He wants us to be happy in him. So it's not just like, oh, yeah, we're supposed to be happy. Well, you know, you're supposed to be happy or joyful or whatever, but in God. Like, that's how that happens. You don't disconnect those things. Oh, pursuit of happiness, go and do and find and be and get whatever to be happy. No, happiness and joy exist as we find those things, as our soul understands and is completed and fulfilled by or in God. And it's this idea of happiness versus holiness in some cases. As I pursue God and his righteousness, we find joy and our personal and practical needs are met. And we know the verse we're very familiar with. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. So as we seek after, thirst after, long for find our fulfillment and fill those things, our soul cravings are satisfied by God. All these other things that distract us, they get looked after. They get looked after. And that God is most glorified in me when I am most satisfied in him. (laughs) So as I give myself over more and more to God, God is glorified. And in that, the, the repercussion of that is I'm fulfilled and have joy, and we could use the term happiness. So we pursue happiness in him, through him. We do that with energy, and we we set aside those things of the world as we go. Which leads us to the unfortunate reality that that's not how I operate all the time. And uh, there's a great verse in Jeremiah 2.13. Fascinating verse. My people have committed two sins. I don't know if you've read this verse before, but it's like, oh, okay. (laughs) What are those two sins? Number one, they have forsaken me, the spring of living water. And number two, instead, have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. 
And so it's a great, great passage. This idea that God who provides living water, as our soul thirst, we need that thirst quenched. Well, there's only one kind of water, if we use that illustration, to quench that. That's, that's God. But we, in this verse, they talk about the fact that the first sin is we say, nope, that's not the water I want. And instead, I'm going to go and get my own water, thank you very much. And we create these cisterns or wells, if you're not familiar with that term. We dig a well into the ground and down to see what kind of water we can get. And essentially, we forsake the living water of God. Again, we were created to be in relationship with God. And when we don't get that sorted out, we are forever thirsty. And instead of drinking the living water, we drink the non-living water. And if it's non-living water, we can imagine that's only going to lead to death and destruction. And that's the challenge, as we try and fill something that was only meant to be filled, our soul only meant to be filled by what God provides. Well, there's a number of things that these leaky cisterns, if we were, could represent, these holes in the ground that we dig for ourselves. Uh, We could pursue and chase after material comfort. I'll satisfy my soul with that. Uh, And, you know, we put our hopes and dreams and all this kind of thing into money and cars and homes and maybe a microwave. I don't know. Sex, pornography, all that whole realm of things. And, you know, we're looking for this momentary thrill, but unfortunately, this is the consumerism of others. So first one, material items, the consumerism of stuff and material. Now we're consuming others. Drugs, alcohol, all kinds of other addictions. We try and deal with this soul craving of ours, this soul that needs and longs, and we just, again, leaky cisterns that have no living water in them. Maybe it's power and influence. We just are always trying to be number one or be at the front or whatever. Look at me. I don't know. Pride, all that kind of stuff. It gets in the way. It becomes something that's just not fulfilling. The pride of self. I'll find out for myself. I'll solve this problem. I'll solve this this desire of my soul on my own. And scripture, basically, if you want to cut to the chase, tells you that's not going to happen. You can go down that road, but we're all going to arrive at the same place. And, and other things. Who knows what those other things could be for you and for me that are those leaky cisterns that are not living water. And then we have, uh, just briefly we'll talk a little bit, Some, you know, we have damaged souls. There, there's parts of us and things that have happened in our lives and, and there's damage. There's things that have occurred from our upbringing or our life experiences, whether by our decisions or the decisions of others. In our development process, maybe it's been marred. Perhaps stages are missing. We, we just didn't have all the development stages as a child or a teen or a youth or even a young adult. And this can cause us later to try and deal with these things, to deal with our past and look to all kinds of ways to repair these things other than including God and having God as the center of those repairs. God not only promises to fill our souls, but we can hope in him to repair them as well. There's a bunch of verses, Psalms 42, 5, verse 11, and then 43, uh, 5 as well. And, and these, are the, these are the passages. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put 
your hope in God, for yet I will praise him, my Savior and my God. Verse 11. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed to me? Theme here, right? Answer, put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Verse 5. Why, my soul, are you so downcast? Why are you so disturbed? Put your hope in God. Again, this is the third time. Finally, uh, uh, this idea that I put my hope in God, my Savior and my God. And I just wanted to point that out, that my Savior and my God is an important part of this. Um, If you've not come to or entered into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, if you've not accepted that sacrifice, if you've not made a commitment, a serious commitment, then that's the first step because the Holy Spirit is what helps us to work through these things. And don't go out and try and do this on your own. If you haven't come to that place and made that commitment, that is first. And God wants that. And if that's something you're not sure of, you haven't done before, you've, then I'll be here after church. Dan's here. There's others of us here. We'll be here and we'll talk to you about that because that's step number one. And so really I'm speaking to those that have already made that commitment but now, for those of you that haven't, that's first step. And then with the help of the Holy Spirit. And that's why it says, my Savior and my God. We've got we to gotta get that in place. And then there's hope. And so I'll leave that with you to consider. God doesn't call us to follow him and leave us alone. He's there to help us with that. Okay, we've got to keep rolling here. Time is flying. Made for joy in God. With this fulfillment, we've touched on this a little bit, with this fulfillment comes joy as I find and have my soul filled and those soul cravings, intimacy and destiny and, and, you know, these things all of a sudden meaning start to start to come together. And as we have this joy, the outflow of praise. And just like our verses we just read, I put my hope and now I praise my Savior and my God. Um, The other thing, too, that's interesting is this idea of coming home. Our soul is coming home, right? It's kind of like, this is where I was meant to be. You know, you've maybe made that statement. Those of you maybe moved to Halliburton recently and went, ah, this is, this is, I don't know. But it's this idea that as we find our place, fulfillment in God's family, with God as our ultimate father. 1 John 3, 1. How great the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God and that is what we are. And as our soul realizes and finds fulfillment in God, it's like, ah, I'm home, I'm here. It's just this, you know, all this, the tinglies and all that stuff. It's amazing. There's a, a story of a dad who was out trying to, the, his son, two-year-old son was just not, not doing great, crying, agitated about something or whatever, trying to do the driving around trick, you know, trying to get them to calm down, still not calming down, finally stopped, took his son out of the, out of the car seat and just held, held his son to his, to his breast and just started making up a song and singing to him, you know, and it was just this, oh, whatever his name was, Larry, I don't know, you know, you're so wonderful, I love being with you. I love being your dad. And just, just made this song up on the spot. And it just went on and on and on. And I love spending time. And, 
And this, this little person just soothed, you know, and it's this idea for us and our soul as we understand who God is. And as we read scripture, God sings and says all those same kind of things to us. And if that's something you struggle with, kind of feeling at home or, or, or even struggle with, with this idea of a father figure or whatever, go and find those verses that, that God is a dad just singing over you who you are, how important you are, how meaningful you are. He loves you. He desires you. He wants to be with you. He's given you a purpose. And as hopefully you read those verses, this soothing idea that we're home. My soul is home. It's where and what it's supposed to be. Finding fulfillment in God includes finding our soul, our heart, our mind, our strength, our true home. Okay, let's keep going. So hopefully you got this picture. We are thirsting after God with our soul. Now, a soul, number two, fully alive, glorifies God. 1 Timothy 2, 1-4 says this, I urge you, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all the people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful, quiet lives with all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. God desires for us to live in him to be whole, with a W-H, and holy. Okay? God is calling us. We've talked already about the fact that we are souls. It's all of us that God wants and loves. And we do that with our persons. And I just want to talk a little bit about this idea of personality because I touched on that earlier. There's a little bit of a mystery around personality. And we all know what we're talking about. You know, when we talk about someone's personality, you know, sort of how they behave and think and make decisions and whether they're outgoing or a little more reserved or, you know, all those kind of things. And it's just very interesting, the, the mystery of that and how God creates us all different. Some of those personalities come through how we're made. Some of those personalities come through the nurturing. But we all have personalities, and they're all varied, and they're all different. And just to touch on this really quickly, but this fellow James Beck refers to these emotional and psychological features of our immaterial selves, we could say our soul, I guess, that influence and govern how we relate to others. We call this our frame of reference, and some of you have maybe heard that term before. And again, some of these things we're born with, and some of these things are, are developed in, as we, we grow. And there's lots of, if you've ever done any personality profile studies, and, and I encourage you to check those things out, it's very helpful sometimes it, not that any of them are perfect or complete, exhaustive, but they start to help you have some words or some definition to some of these things that you are that then you start to understand, oh, that's why I relate this way or think this way or interact this way, particularly in a social setting. Things like Myers-Briggs, you've probably heard of that, or Social Styles is another study. Uh, strength Finder, the disc, you know, driver, all that kind of stuff. And then Enneagrams is a more recent one that is out there. And as we, as we take some time to discover a little bit about who, who and what we are in terms of our personality and how we interact with others, there's some value in that, in understanding that. And, and I mention that because all these personality profiles help us understand who we are and tell us a little bit about how we interact with others. 
And we take that information and we blend that in. We, we, we take that and we put that through the guise of Scripture and with the help of the Holy Spirit, with Christ, we work in seeing our personalities redeemed. So just, just to be clear, as we discover who we are, you know, there's going to be things about our personality that are just amazing things. And there's probably things in our personality that mm, I probably need to work on that. And it's this idea that as we come to understand that and allow God and his word and the Holy Spirit redeem those personalities, then that process is, okay, I'm submitting, I'm, I'm giving over who I am and my personality. And as I do that before the Lord, I'm loving God with my soul. And there's a couple things. It's not only this idea of redeeming those, those, that idea of us and how we think and live and interact and so on, but it's also understanding those things so that as I understand who I am and what drives me and my motivations and my gifts, my skills, I then can use those to serve and glorify God as opposed to doing something that is so not who I am or how I operate, right? And so we'll talk about that in a second. And it's this idea that God is, God's will is within us, if I can use that term, through the Holy Spirit. It's this idea that God's created us all uniquely as people with gifts and skills, spiritual gifts and skills and personalities. And as we see those redeemed, as we give those over to the Lord and use those gifts and skills and our personalities to serve him, we are essentially taking what God's implanted in us and doing what he's created us to do. And, and, and for some of you, you, you do have a sense of this. You know these are things that just, I come alive when I do this, and over, when I'm doing this, it's just like, this is not me. I, I, this isn't who I am or what I was created to do. I don't know if you've ever said that statement. You're doing something, you're working at something, you go, man, this is what I was made to do. I love this. And then as we use that and do that in glory to God, that's our soul, our person, our being, finding out and understanding who we are, that God's created us to be, and channeling that towards his will and his glory. It's amazing. Uh, there's another study, uh, this idea of motivation. So this approach to helpful self-discovery is what motivates us. There's this uh, um, exercise called SEMA system for identifying motive, uh, motivated abilities. And essentially, again, it's this idea that we're, we're trying to understand a little bit about what drives us, what motivates us, this kind of thing. And as we understand that, again, it's a little bit like personality, oh, these are motivations. Again, we can take and see those things redeemed and used for God. So some of you, you come up here and you sing and you're just like, I, I am just doing what God created me to do. And others of you, we would ask you to come up here and, you'd, and sing and you'd be like, that is not at all what God created me to do. And for me, like, don't ask me to sing or play an instrument, but I love to speak. I love to teach. And others of you are like, I could never get up on the stage and do that. That's because you were created differently. And we're not trying to be like everybody else. We're trying to be the person God created us to be, to see that redeemed and used to glorify him. And when we do that, we're loving God 
as souls. And it's amazing when that happens. And so we have a unique motivation. And we love God when we determine what those are. We see them redeemed. And we use them for his glory and his honor. So our core truth to wrap this all up this morning. Our soul's most basic craving is to be known and embraced by the God who made us for himself. To love God with all our soul is to acknowledge that he is the only ultimate satisfaction for our soul. As people, we do not have souls. We really are souls. And our soulfulness is this integration of mind, body, and spirit into one personality, which is the unique expression of who God has created us to be. We love God with our soul when we present our personality to him so we can be distinct characters God intended us to be. And so hopefully you've got this picture of us, our inmost being, desiring and pursuing God, and then living and operating and doing the things that God's created us uniquely to do and be involved in. Our memory verse for today is Psalms 103.1, really easy. Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. And a few questions for reflection. Again, these are all in your little handout for looking at later, but... Have I come to realize that I have these soul cravings and they need to be satisfied? And, and, and maybe part two of that, what, what kind of cisterns do I need to backfill and say, that's it, I'm done with that? Have I compartmentalized my love for God, holding, like, okay, I'll love God with this part of me, but not all of that, or, yeah, maybe, I don't know, how's that work? Do you understand your purpose and obviously the bigger purpose, but even your uniqueness in how God's created you? And one that's not in your notes or on the slide, but do I understand that unique purpose and am I using it to glorify God? And finally this morning we'll wrap up with again reading this passage where Jesus is asked what's the most important one and he responds with the most important one is love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There's no greater command than these. Let's pray. Well, Father, we have tried to understand a little bit uh, this concept of the soul and who we are as beings, as people, and Using your word, we are trying to figure out how we thirst and pursue you, see that those soul cravings that we have fulfilled in you, and then, Father, to understand our uniqueness, uh, and, Father, to see that redeemed and used for your glory. And, Father, what a blessing to have so many different people with so many different gifts, and how we all benefit from that. And, Father, how we are to glorify you with those things. And so help us to know and understand what those are and to serve you in those ways. And we commit all this to you in Jesus' name. Amen.